Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Welcome to our worship in the life of the Village Church here in Rancho Santa Fe. If you are new to us today, let me encourage you to keep on watching because you just might be inspired and encouraged in your walk with Jesus. Or if you're returning for worship and have been worshiping for many, many years, keep watching for the very same reason. Let me remind you of just a couple of things. To keep in touch with us, you may use any of the addresses that you see printed now on your screen. I remind you that our Super Bowl of Caring continues. You may bring soup to the church campus anytime you happen to be there for worship or other reasons, and you may send in your financial support as well. Our Ash Wednesday celebration begins this coming Wednesday on February 17th. We will have a walk of prayer and reflection from 3 o'clock to 5 o'clock anytime during that time on the campus, or you may worship with us online. The annual meeting of the congregation is coming up on Monday evening, February 22nd at 6 o'clock via Zoom. Full information about all of these events and activities is available either on our website or in the bi-weekly email messages that we send to you. We have a beautiful rose in the backdrop today to celebrate the birth on February 4th of William Lee Strong IV to Will and Christy Strong. So congratulations, friends. Let's take just a moment now as we move into worshiping God, and let's focus, let's center our thoughts on these words from the eighth Psalm. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is thy name in all the earth! Thou whose glory above the heavens is chanted by the mouth of babes and infants, thou hast founded a bulwark because of thy foes, to still the enemy and the avenger. When I look at thy heavens, the work of thy fingers, the moon and the stars which thou hast established, what is man that thou art mindful of him, and the son of man that thou dost care for him? Yet thou, thou hast made him little less than God, and dost crown him with glory and honor. Thou hast given him dominion over the works of thy hands, Thou hast put all things under his feet, all sheep and oxen, and also the beasts of the field, and the birds of the air, and the fish of the sea, whatever passes along the paths of the sea. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is thy name in all the earth. Friends, let's worship God.
righteousness and came with peace to cheer us. For this we thank and praise the Lord, who is by one and all adored. To God all praise and sure and certain promise that God's love for us in Jesus Christ is unending and unfailing. Let us come before God's presence with our prayers of confession, naming the ways in which we have broken God's heart in need of God's mercies and grace in Jesus Christ. Let us confess together. God of mercy and truth, we seek your forgiveness for the sinful way we live. We are unworthy to be your children, unfit to be your servants. We are burdened with memories of things undone that ought to have been done, and of things done that ought not to have been done. Bring us afresh the healing and cleansing power of your Spirit, that we may lay hold of the salvation you offer and walk in newness of life, to the glory and praise of your name, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Friends, sisters, and brothers in Christ and people of God, Hear and receive, believe and trust in the good news of God in Jesus Christ, that God so loved us that he gave his son Jesus Christ for the life of the world. In his life, death, resurrection and ascension, you and I have been reconciled, you and I have been set free to love God, to love one another, to love the world that he gave his life. Thanks be to God. Amen. May the peace of Christ be with you. Because God has given us peace with him and with one another, let us therefore share signs of God's love and peace with each other. I encourage and invite you to share those signs of peace with those who are with you, those around you, and not only this day, but every day, so that the world may know of Jesus Christ and God's love. Amen. You say love is just a word. Just four letters in a row Just that thing that people say Or they never tell you so And you use every excuse To let nobody in Now that cloud you bring around Has become your only friend And everybody's saying that it's gonna go away But it don't go Everybody's telling you one day it's gonna change But you don't know if it's really gonna end But there is a way, there is a spark There is a hope 
a truth and a lie and a way of what if love became a man if the word had flesh and bone would you recognize his face if he came to bring you home you think you're all alone gotta do it on your own riding solo is there someone you can call when you stumble and fall cause you don't know if you'll be getting up again but there is a way there is a spark there is a hope that you can hold on to there is a lifeline come to the rescue just like a hand that's waiting for you and if you Good morning, Kids Village, and happy Sunday. I also wanted to wish you all a happy Valentine's Day. This week, we had so much fun delivering our Valentine's bags to you all. So for those of you who received those at home, we hope that you have had fun with those. Now, for those of you who didn't get to see what we put inside our bags, you'd be happy to know that we included a light-up bouncy ball, of course, a piece of candy, or two or three, and we also included a Bible verse fortune cookies. So this was a way for us to show our love and kindness to you all. So we hope that you've enjoyed having those at home. Today, I wanted to spend a little bit more time talking about what is happening this week on the church calendar. This coming Wednesday is what we call Ash Wednesday. Now, Ash Wednesday is a day when we get to have a repentant heart and be thanking God for sending his son to die on the cross for our sins. So this day is the start of the Lent calendar, and it leads us through all the way to Easter when we are celebrating the resurrection of Jesus. So on Wednesday, be thinking about how you can be in prayer, or maybe you could write God a letter just to thank him for sending his son. So this is a day when we really get to take in the sacrifice that Jesus had made for us. So don't let Wednesday pass by without thinking about that and thinking about how exciting it's going to be when we get to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus on Easter Sunday. We will pick up back next week here with your kids' message as we continue talking about your word for this month, which is kindness. We'll see you all back here next week. Bye-bye. Mm -hmm. 
As followers of Jesus, we have an opportunity as a body of Christ to lift up prayers 
for our church, our community, and the world. I will lead us in a pastoral prayer and then invite you to join me for the Lord's Prayer. Let us now join our hearts before the Lord. Almighty God, our God of all people, in Christ you taught us to pray and promised that we would receive all that we ask in his name. Hear now our prayers. On this day, help us to love each other and all people, not based on a holiday filled with cards or gifts of romance, but a lifestyle of loving unconditionally as you have loved us. Strengthen and protect your church throughout the world, especially in places where following Jesus is not known or the gospel is met with violent resistance. Protect and fill your servants with your spirit that they may proclaim with boldness in word and deed the love of Christ. Lord, hear our prayers for this congregation, its mission and ministry. Let us follow you by preparing ourselves daily in the study of your word, through prayer and serving others. Bless our partners in ministry, especially those serving the victims of the virus, both physically as well as economically. Lord, hear our prayers for peace and justice in the world. Let us weave a fabric of love and support to all people, standing unified for care for the sojourner, the oppressed, and the marginalized. We pray for nations and leaders that may do good and not evil, that you would use them for your purpose and not for their own desires. We lift up the dissonance between people groups and the governments that work to oppress or victimize them. Let your hand, Lord, come upon these groups. Let them work together. Let them care for one another. And Lord, we pray for those who are fleeing their own countries and seeking asylum. Protect them and give them, Lord, a good future and hope in the countries in which they are seeking support and protection from tyranny. Lord, hear our prayers for a local community, for the many who wait for their opportunities to be immunized. Comfort those who are bereaved and lonely. Touch and restore all who need healing. Guide us, O God, by your Holy Spirit, that all of our prayers and all of our lives may serve your will and show your love through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.
begin our time in the scriptures with a prayer for illumination. Please join me in prayer. God, source of all light, by your word you give light to the soul. Pour out on us the spirit of wisdom and understanding that our hearts and minds may be opened. Amen. A reading from the letter to the Romans. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not conform to this world. Be transformed by the renewing of your minds so that you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. We have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, ministry in ministering. And a reading from the book of Exodus. The next day, Moses sat as a judge for the people while the people stood around him from morning until evening. When Moses' father-in-law saw all that he was doing for the people, he said, what is this that you are doing for the people? 
Why do you sit alone while all the people stand around you from morning until night? Moses said to his father-in-law, because the people come to me to inquire of God. When they have a dispute, they come to me and I decide between one person and another, and I make known to them the statues and instructions of God. Moses' father-in-law said to him, what you are doing is not good. You will surely wear yourself out, both you and these people with you. For the task is too heavy for you. You cannot do it alone. Now, listen to me. I will give you counsel and God be with you. You should represent the people before God and you should bring their cases before God. Teach them the statues and the instructions and make known to them the way they are to go and the things they are to do. You should also look for able men among all the people, men who fear God, are trustworthy, and hate dishonest gain. Set such men over them as officers, over thousands, hundreds, fifties, and tens. Let them sit as judges for the people at all times. Let them bring every important case to you, but decide every minor case themselves, so it will be easier for you, and they will bear the burden with you. If you do this, and God so commands you, then you will be able to endure, and all these people will go to their home in peace. So Moses listened to his father-in-law and did all that he had said. The word of the Lord. A long time ago, when I was a student minister working in a church in Philadelphia, I joined the Christian Education Committee for a conversation, for planning and preparing for the work of Christian education in that church. As I recall, we had seven people in the room that day. Two of them had their PhDs and were ordained pastors in the church. Three of them had their master's degrees and worked in different areas of education and industry. And then there were two of us there, two student ministers, who were working on our master's degrees. The first topic for our meeting that day was about a problem. The problem of the Sunday school teachers not returning the pitchers of orange juice to the kitchen so that they could be washed after Sunday school every Sunday morning. It seems that the custodians would arrive in the uh, classrooms maybe on Wednesday or Thursday or even Saturday and discover a pitcher half full of rotten, rancid, gross orange juice. And those seven people sat around in that committee meeting for 45 minutes talking about what to do about the old orange juice. That was one of my early formative experiences of learning about what life in the real church is all about. It's not always so glamorous or so uplifting or so noble. 
We are in the midst of a series of sermons that are talking about the way of Jesus in a wayward world. We're working through the 12th chapter of Paul's letter to the Romans as he gives a great deal of advice and encouragement about all the things that it takes to make Christian life happen and to make the church happen in the world. And this week we come to a little phrase, a little word where Paul says that one of the gifts, one of the things necessary for working in the church is ministry. Well, what did Paul mean by ministry? If you have been involved in the life of the church at all, perhaps you think about all the churchy stuff that ministers do or that other church leaders and church staff do. But it's much broader than that. It's much deeper than that. The literal word that Paul uses to discuss ministry here is the Greek word diakonian. That's the word from which we take the word deacon. Paul was thinking here about the practical work that is involved in the life of the church. The great biblical commentator John Stott says that this is very mundane, prosaic, practical stuff. It is ministry, or maybe what we might call the ministry of administration. When you look at the biblical record, you discover that God's people have always needed to have practical work done. In the old story from the book of Exodus, after the people have been led out of Egypt through Moses and his great work, they're wandering around in the wilderness trying to figure out how to make their society work now. And everybody is coming to Moses to ask questions and to have their disputes mediated and to talk about everything that's important to people because Moses is their leader. He's teaching them the law of God, but then applying that law as they go about the daily business of living their lives. It turns out that Moses needs help with all of that because it was a lot of people and lots of stuff to figure out. I've sometimes wondered exactly what kinds of things were the people talking to Moses about Moses was judging these things, not like some guy in a black robe with, uh, with a, a wig on saying this is what the law says, but, but Moses was engaged with the people helping them figure out how to live their actual lives. He was, they were bringing perhaps religious questions to him, of course, but also real life questions. Maybe someone appeared one day and said, Moses, uh, my neighbor's sheep escaped from their pen and they ate up all my grain. What are we going to do about that? Or maybe someone comes to Moses and says, there was a guy out playing with his slingshot the other day and, and he misguided the missile and, 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 it, and it hit one of my kids. What are we going to do about that? Or maybe, Moses, we're ready to build a tent so that we can worship God in that tent, but we need to know how much should each family contribute to giving this tent? Well, Moses needed help with administrating, with organizing, with bringing order to that society. The early church discovered that that kind of work was needed as well. We learn from the book of Acts that 
the apostles, the original followers of Jesus, spent a lot of time teaching about Jesus and talking about who Jesus was and that, what that meant for people's lives. But, but there were other issues that rose up. Somebody needed to look after the widows. Somebody needed to look after the orphans. Somebody needed to distribute the food that was being given to the hungry. And so over time, the church began to, to appoint people that they called deacons. People to do a lot of the practical work of making the life of the church happen. And when you think about it, that sort of thing was going on even in Jesus' own lifetime. Remember, he rode into Jerusalem on a donkey, but he sent two disciples ahead to arrange for the donkey. He gathered with the disciples in the upper room. Who made the reservations for that upper room? Who said, hey guys, can we, can we gather there tonight? We read that the disciples were a group of people traveling around and, and they needed some money to help make that happen. And, and the guy who kept the money, the treasury for the original group of disciples was a guy named Judas Iscariot. Well, my main point in all of this, and I think Paul's main point, is that eventually in the life of the church, after a few years of, of creating, worshiping communities all over the known world at that time, the church had learned that there was a great need for conducting the practical business of the church, for arranging for and then carrying out the life of the church. And that was a good and necessary thing, that that was part of the life of ministry. And so let's observe a few things about ministry itself. This business of ordering and administrating and making things happen. Well, the first thing I want to note is that order and structure and administration is a good thing in and of itself. You don't even need to talk about it within the life of the church to understand that it's a necessary thing. Think about this. If there is no such thing as order and structure and ministry, when you walk into a restaurant, maybe it's meeting outdoors now, who cares? But, but when you order a hamburger and they bring you a salad, that is disorder. That's bad administration. If you walk into the bank and want to withdraw some of that $100,000 that you know is there, and instead the bank says you only have 1000 that's bad administration. How about when you wake up in your hospital room and discover that the doctor has replaced the wrong knee? That's disorder. We need order. We need good administration. We need order so that people will drive on the correct side of the road. We need order so that when you finish your coursework, the, the school actually gives you a diploma. We need order so that when you order some red roses to be delivered to your honey, they actually deliver red roses and not a potted Venus flycatcher. Order is a good thing. Administration is a good thing. And so ministry is about doing practical things in effective ways for the life of the church. 
Think about that. There's order and administration all throughout the story of the scriptures, even at the very beginning. When God creates, we read in Genesis that the earth was a formless void and God acted to bring form and order and structure to create day and night, to create land and sea, all very practical things. Psalm 8 that we used as a call to worship today refers to the fact that God has given us dominion, stewardship, the business of ordering and structuring and managing his creation. In the local church, of course, we have to have order. We have to have administration. That's why I have some of this stuff with me in the background today. I have a a copy of the budget of the church. You want some boring reading? There it is. I have a copy of one of our church calendars. And of course, I've got an old-fashioned calculator. The calculator I actually use now is in my phone, but, but I'm recording by talking to my phone right now, so I can't show you that. There's lots of stuff that has to happen in the life of the church. We have to have folks that deal with the finance and with the property and the personnel, folks who manage the calendar and who arrange for the programs and activities and events and gatherings and classes and trips and meetings and all the stuff that we do together as a community of faith in order to make our community happen. Now, as I mentioned, and this is my third observation, ministry. The business of administrating is for the sake of the church. The church is really just a school. It's an academy. It's a place where we all come together to learn how to follow Jesus and then also to actually begin following Jesus. But without order, without structure, without the creation and execution of a thousand little things, ministry does not happen. And ultimately, no one learns, no one grows, no one actually serves in the work of Jesus in the world. And so ministry is for the sake of the church. But, and... Ministry is also for the sake of the world. And ministry happens within the world. There's really no point in the church being the church unless the church actually goes out into the world and changes the world because that's where you and I live. We don't live just in the church. We live in the world. The church is meant to be a model for the world. And by its life, by its example, by the things it accomplishes to change the world. If you study the historic ministry of the church, you realize that, especially in this country, that our public schools for children actually originated in the church. You see, two or three hundred years ago, children were meant to work with their families on their farms or later on to work in factories. And and it was only on Sundays that children had some free time to be educated. And so the church started Sunday school, not just to teach about religion, but to teach about all the other things that children needed to learn. 
It's the church that started hospitals and clinics and soup kitchens and shelters and a whole host of other things to help people in society, things that now are done by the society at large and still done by churches, and in many places of the world, only done by the churches. The ministry of making things happen is a ministry that happens within the church to build the church so that the church can accomplish that kind of ministry out in the world. Now, as with everything in the church, the ministry that we do always needs to get better. It always needs to be corrected and adjusted and inspired and informed. And we're always working on improving, correcting past mistakes and looking at the new situation, the current situation, whatever society presents to us today and figuring out how to proceed. Sometimes the church blows it. Sometimes society blows it. I have three books in the background with me here today. This one is a copy of the Old Testament written in the original language in Hebrew. It reminds me of the fact that from the very beginning of human society, we've had to put down on paper or some form or other the knowledge and the inspiration and the information of how we are meant to function in this world based on the, the love and grace of God. And that's what the Bible really is all about. But we need more than just the Bible, if you will. We need other information about this world that God has created. And, and so I have a book here that I probably don't pay enough attention to. It's called Fitness for Dummies. It's a book about how we are meant to order and structure and, and administrate our physical lives. I also have here a book that has been handed down through my family. It was published in 1855. It's a book about the law of North Carolina. The title of it is Cantwell's Justice. I have flipped through this book more than once. And in it, you will find legal language and advice for all kinds of situations in life. Advice about what to do when a child has been raped. It also has a lot of language about how to deal with issues and matters that arise in the ownership and administration of slaves. Sometimes, we need to look at the way we order and structure and administrate our society together, and we need to change. These books and other books, the common human wisdom that exists in so many different forms, is all about the business of structuring and ordering and running a society that is good, that is a blessing, that is about trying to accomplish the kind of life that God means for his whole creation to have. And so the business of administration, the business of ministry is a, a good thing. It's a necessary thing. As I reflect on my nearly 40 years of being a professional minister, I think about lots of things. 
Sometimes that that means I'm preaching or teaching or marrying or burying. But it also means chartering a bus for the youth to go on their annual ski trip. Sometimes it means painting the fellowship hall. Sometimes it means typing up the Sunday worship bulletin because the secretary didn't get it done. Sometimes it means helping folks sign up for their shot of vaccine. Those are all things, and there's millions of more things that I have done in my professional ministry that are about the business of ordering and structuring and making life happen. Ministry is administration, ad infinitum, ad nauseum, and sometimes it requires healthy doses of advil. Sorry, I couldn't resist that. I have a couple of degrees that make me a professional minister, if you will, or they're meant to do that. I have a master of divinity. I have a doctor of ministry. But, but now after doing ministry for a long time, I think what I most needed to, to learn and, and what I most needed to earn was what I now call a DMTW, a doctor of making things work. You see, anyone, anywhere, anytime who makes things work for the good of God's people is doing ministry. The way of Jesus in a wayward world is partly about bringing order and structure and systems and excellence in the practical service of healing and hope and renewal and loving God's people. That prosaic and mundane and practical work is actually holy work that's necessary for making the world work for everyone. It's available to everyone. You don't need degrees. You don't need titles. You don't even need ordination. All you need is to learn how to follow Jesus in doing the things that he calls us to do. First, because he loves us. And then because we want to love others. Will you join me in that? Amen. Brothers and sisters, will you please join me now as we affirm our faith from the epistles to the Romans. What then are we to say? Should we continue in sin in order that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who died to sin go on living in it? Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ were baptized into his death? Therefore, we have been buried with him by baptism into death, so that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, so we too might walk in newness of life. Amen.
Have you ever thought about the fact that someone has to crush the grapes and mill the wheat in order to make the wine and the bread? And someone has to carve the chalice and weave the cloth to spread over the table. Only then can we eat the holy meal together. It is all ministry. It's all part of the practical, mundane, prosaic, necessary, vital, and fundamental stuff that we do in order to love God and to love each other and to bring God's blessing into the world. I'm glad you joined in today. I hope you'll come back. But before you go, let's be blessed by God. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us today and always. Amen.